Now what I'm going to do is we're going to go through three different areas of the Psalms, three different things to keep in mind. And that is we're going to look at the types of Psalms, the types of parallelism, and yay, English class, we're going to look into figures of speech. (laughs) Because the reality is these books are emotional. And emotion is better communicated with poetry and figures of speech. And as a whole, Americans are not good at that. There are many incredible poets in America. There are many incredible people, including in my own school, where the kids are just phenomenal when it comes to poetry. But as a culture, we have been very much pushed into an investigative, scientific, observation kind of a way of thinking. And arts is always the last thing to be, or the first thing to be excluded in schools and that kind of stuff. It's the first thing that was kicked out of the church in the Reformation, unfortunately. And not the original Reformers did that, the later Reformers did. And we've lost a lot of that, especially in the Protestant church. And we've lost the ability to connect to poetry. If you ask any kid, in school, most, school, most kids will be like, I hate poetry. And I was like that too. I hated everything that was English growing up, okay? Because I had a learning disability in it and I struggled so much. But it wasn't until I got older and I started taking like Bible classes and seminary. I actually learned more about English and poetry and literature, studying the Bible and other languages than I did at school. We're going to go through and I'm going to look at these three different areas to help you understand what's going on in poetry. Not that I am a master of poetry, nor could I make you a master of poetry but maybe give you a better insight and understanding to poetry so that you can feel something different as you read it and connect to it more as you read it. So the first thing we're going to look at is the types of psalms. Now, you can go pick up a book in a, a seminary or a high state library or something, and there will be like, Songs of trust and songs of wisdom and and precatories and laments and all this kind of stuff. And you can break these down into very minute details. But I've found over the years that it's just easier to keep it as simple as possible. Most of these songs break down into four categories. Four categories. All All these types of psalms are going to follow a structure. So I'm going to give you a structure that will help you identify the lament as well. So they'll do this and then they'll do this and they'll do this and they'll do this. Now, the thing that's important to understand is that when poetry, nobody's legalistically bound to that. So you might have four things that they'll do in a lament, but they can very easily do one, two, three, two, three, two, three, two, three, four, three, four, three, four. Okay? So they can go up and down the ladder, so to speak, and they can skip steps on the ladder. But they will generally have those four things, and they will generally flow through those things but sometimes they can go back and forth, and you'll see that. And that will make more sense as we go into this. The first thing we're going to deal with is the lament. Lament is obviously an old word that we don't use that much anymore, but we know what it is. It's basically mourning, cries, emotions. So the purpose of the psalmist is to cry out to Yahweh for deliverance and to call others to do likewise. So basically there's a problem in his life, And he wants deliverance. And he will often either pray for individual deliverance, or there can be community laments where the whole community is experiencing a problem, and they're all crying out for deliverance. Or he can have an individual problem, 
and he's asking other people to join him in crying out to God for his own deliverance. So that would be like, hey, can you pray for me kind of a thing. The key to identifying a lament is that there is a present or past problem. There's a problem that's in the past and still exists in the present. And he's asking for a future deliverance. So the majority of every time you see my life sucks, I'm in pain, they betrayed me or something like that, it will either be past or present tense. They will be, he will be currently experiencing it. There will be no act of deliverance. There will be no real praise of God for what God has done for him. He will be looking to a future deliverance. He'll be crying out. So the key to identifying a lament is a past and present problem that he's currently in, and he's asking God to save him from this in some way. Deliver him, heal him, save him, punish them, whatever. That's the key to identifying a lament. So what is the structure of a lament? Okay, normally what you will see in a lament is you'll see a cry to Yahweh for help. So he'll cry out to God and say, hear me, O God, help me. This is my prayer. There will be a complaint. Okay, I've been betrayed. I am sick. My enemy is surrounding me. That kind of stuff. There will be a confession of trust. You're a good God. I know you can deliver me. You can take care of this kind of stuff. There will be a request. I want you to bury them alive. I want you to heal me. I want you to drive them away. And there will be a concluding praise. And you are a good God. I know you can do this. That kind of stuff. Now, generally, this is the order that a lament will go in. But sometimes what you'll have is you'll have a cry to help for Yahweh, a complaint, a confession of trust, a request, and then you'll go back to the complaint, back to request, back to the complaint, back to the request, confession of trust, concluding praise. So you might jump around a little bit going up and down that ladder, and you might skip a couple rungs, but generally speaking, he's going to follow this flow. He's going to follow this flow. I've given you a few examples. We're going to look at the first example, and that's Psalm 3. O Yahweh, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver me. So this one, he actually skips the cry to Yahweh completely and goes right to the complaint. So notice that he is presently surrounded by enemies. That is a present problem that is in his life. And you see him complaining about this. But you are a shield around me, O Yahweh. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To Yahweh I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. So notice that then he goes to the confession of trust. But you're a good God. You're a shield. You protect me. And then he kind of has the cry to help. I cry out to you, and you, you will answer me. But that's still mostly a confession of trust. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because Yahweh sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Yahweh, deliver me. O my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw. There's his request. Just cold cock them all. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From Yahweh comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. We would not, as a pastor or a Bible teacher, I would not encourage my kids to say, hey, let's just all pray that, that you're, the bully in the school gets his jaw broken. Okay? But that's what he feels. Okay? And he takes it to God. And he knows that God's not going to be like, okay. He knows that God's going to deal with the emotions. So there's a little imprecatory right there for you. 
But that's what he feels. And he's honest. And God could have easily said, that is jacked up David. There's no way that's going into my Bible. (laughs) But he puts it in there. Because David felt it, and God heard it, and God dealt with it. Because God can. And so you saw the complaint, the confession of trust, the request, and the concluding praise. You're good. Now, there's no answer to this prayer. But there is a confidence that God will do something about it. Let's go to Psalm 7. O Yahweh, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. Or they will tear me like a lion. It rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. So there's your cry for help. Okay, He's crying to God to rescue him. He's complaining. He's surrounded by enemies. They are going to tear him apart like a lion. O Yahweh, my God, if I have done this and there is, no, is, there is guilt on my hands, if I have done evil to him who is at peace with me or with, without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. So in this one, it's interesting, he's actually added in, if I deserve this, if it's something that I've betrayed them on, I've hurt them, then allow them to overcome me. Okay, this is my circumstances. Now, there's honesty right there, too. Like, I feel like God. Now, God is the one that determines whether you deserve to be attacked by your enemies for your sins. Not you. But he says, I feel like if I have done something to hurt them or wrong them and they're attacking me because of that, then I deserve it. And let it to happen. Now, God will deal with that in the way that he wants, but at least David is honest there. Arise, O Yahweh, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you. Rule over them from on high. Let Yahweh judge the peoples. Judge me, O Yahweh, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High, O righteous God. So now he's caught his confession trust, and there's also a request there. He's trusting God that is his judge, his warrior, his king, but he's also requesting a deliverance. So notice how nobody's legalistically following this pattern, but those ideas and elements are there. Now, once again, this could be a little tricky to identify as a lament if it hadn't been for the present problem that he's facing. So sometimes these don't feel like a lament completely as you're reading through them. But the fact that there's still a problem and he's crying out to God suggests that it is a lament. Psalm 10. Why, O Yahweh, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So what's the complaint here? Yeah, this time his complaint is with God. And David's not afraid to complain against God. And God said, I can't have this in my Bible. You don't complain against me. He says, it's okay to complain against me. If you feel like I'm wrong, I know I'm not. I'm a good and perfect God. But if you feel it, you feel it. Tell me. Bring it to me. Because I'm the only one that can set you right. I'm the only one that can change it. So God has no problem with you complaining against him. And, and, and telling him to his face. Why, O oh Yahweh, do you stand afar? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles Yahweh. And his pride the wicked does not seek him. And all of his thoughts there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He is haughty and your laws are far from him. 
So what's his complaint? There's a second part to his complaint. The wicked are prosper. Yeah. The wicked are prosper. They're evil. They don't care about God. They're hurting people. And God's not doing anything about it. This is kind of like Habakkuk. God's not doing anything about it. He feels like God is not doing anything about it. And he's telling him that. I will always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies and wait near the villages from ambush. He murders and the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies and wait like a lion in cover. He lies and wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed as they collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. Never sees. Okay, so this is, this is graphic. It's emotional. It's detailed. Arise, Yahweh. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Now what is that? Request. I want you to arise, God, and do something about this. But then it begins to move into complaint. Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O God, do you see trouble and grief? You consider it to take it in hand? The victim commits himself to you? You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness, that you would not be, that, that, that would not be found out. And then, Yahweh is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You hear, O Yahweh, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them, and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, in order that man who is of the earth may ter- of who is of the earth may terrify no more. So in the end, he trusts God. He says, I know that you'll hear. I know you'll respond. I know you'll do things. Now, is that what he's feeling right now? No. Knows that he has the emotions and the theology. The emotions, I feel like you're doing nothing about the evil in the world right now, and that's what I feel. But theologically, and your reputation tells me that you are doing something, and you will do something, and you are good. And that's why I'm praying to you. And so the correct theology is that he's going to God even though the emotions may not always be accurate and correct. And that's what we've got to sort out in our head. Your good theology is that you are taking these emotions to God. So don't feel guilty about what you're feeling and saying to God. Does that make sense? That's a lament. Does that make sense? Okay, so this will give you structure to hopefully, like, as you identify them, you can see that kind of stuff.